so basically well from the very start of the tune lighting podcast uh, we very much liked the idea of of reaching out to other people who were in a similar position to us because we've heard so many stories over the years of of people that have struggled to finish a musical project or kind of you know while struggling full-time jobs and other things and uh, I, I kind of put out some uh, some call outs on the early episodes of the podcast saying if you are also a tune lighter or you you're taking or thinking about taking part in a tune lighting journey yourself then let us know and uh, mm. Mark did that and kind of sent a few messages on Instagram and social media saying that he we have I think this is right Mark correct me if I'm wrong but you kind of said that we inspired you to kind of get back on the uh, the music production uh, road and and finish a, a project you've been working on so um yeah that was that was good to hear i'm yeah. glad that we've uh, we've inspired um, some people and uh, you in particular uh so yeah that's a that's a quick introduction and uh, we thought it would be good to get um, mark on to uh, to chat to us a bit with we've uh, yeah with this community we've we've, we've been building it's nice to get some of uh, the listeners on the episode as we, we did previously with uh, with Joel in an earlier episode and, and now with Mark. So hi, Mark, how are you doing? All, and all the way from uh, Australia as well. So we're extending yeah. the podcast even further, the furthest guest we've had away from, uh, well, from the UK. Yeah, maybe New Zealand or um, outer space. That'll be season it. two. <laughs> above the, yeah, season two, exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> even wanting more, that's what I say. It will leave out, yeah, outer space is definitely, uh, that would, would be an interesting uh, interview. We'll leave that for season two. Yeah, that's when you got a bigger budget because you have to prove yourself in season one, so. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, uh, we'll, I guess we'll start with a little bit of an introduction, I guess, of yourself, Mark, and kind of yeah. from a musical point of view, kind of what you've what you've worked on in the past, what kind of your oh, yeah. musical journey, and then maybe moving on to kind of what you're working on uh, now. Uh, so what's the timeline been and, and what's kind of inspired you <clears> to get starting again? Well, I've been I've been sort of doing it since uh, I was about 16. And I just um, picked up an out of tune guitar that I got when I was about nine years old. And I thought I'll try and make a song out of it. And I made the most abysmal <laughs> noise. And I synchronized two tape recorders together, which went out of sync. But that was kind of my early attempt at multi-tracking. And it, it kind of nice. almost worked. It was kind of weird. Everything was distorted and like, blah, blah, blah. but um, it was a lot of fun. And I thought, <laughs> oh, it was not it was terrible, but I think I can do better. So I just kept going and I haven't stopped since. So but and I just I just love music. It's just radio, top 40, you know, so growing up with it, top of the pops, you know, the usual story, really. So, yeah. It's funny with those early memories that people have of of making music and those those accidents that you have it's probably the kind of thing that people would spend days or weeks trying to recreate tape you know, recording to tape and do, do weird, weird techniques like that and it's something that you kind of accidentally stumbled upon in very early on so yeah I always think well, on, the, on the on the first track I I was drumming I had these drumsticks because I meant to yeah. be a drummer in a band I didn't even have a drum kit it was about 15 <laughs> and I was banging on these um on these floorboards and I'd, I'd, the distortion, you turn it up on the tape recorder, you know, it's, it saturates and it's like, yeah. <laughs> it was like this sort of John Bonham sound. Nice. And I thought, wow, that was, wow, recording's really easy. And then I spent a lot <laughs> of 
X amount of years trying to get that sound again that I got when I was 16. So <laughs> this goes to prove, you know, the so simplest things, you know, distorting yeah. tape, you know, anyway, we're getting technical too soon. <laughs> Straight into the tape, distort saturation uh, discussion. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I've definitely been there. I've listened to stuff that I did when I was very young, started messing around with tape recorders and things like that. Like, yeah, that's how I wouldn't be able to do that now. It's a complete accident. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's funny, those early early encounters with music so as far as uh what you're doing now then i mean i've i've seen your instagram posts of you uh performing live either you know in in cafes or venues or during lockdown in in your own home i presume um is is that uh is that your kind of is that what you do are you an acoustic kind of solo performer these days or do you have kind of bigger productions uh, do you have a band that you play with sometimes well um yeah i i've i mean i don't know where to start really it's kind <laughs> of a, i hope i'm not going to make this terrible when it comes to editing um no, i think what it was was that um i got let down by so many band members like um i i went through something like i asked about 16 different drummers would they play wow. with me Wow. And I got so sick of it. I was a 16 year old was on a, he said, I'm turning up on the train. I was so desperate. I'm turning up on a train with a drum kit. And, I'm, and I believed him. And I was so desperate. And he never showed up. Of course, he's 16. He's not going to show up. Is he? And um, <clears throat> I went through loads of people, I, the guy with, uh, you know, emotional difficulties and, uh, you know, most a lot of musicians have emotional difficulties anyway, um, including myself. Um, yeah. yeah. So it just, um, yeah, it, it was just difficult getting older people. And I got a session drummer in the end for the album that never got finished. I haven't told you mm. about that yet. And, um, you know, that was that was quite a. That was that was just easy because you pay him a load of money, which you don't want to pay anybody any money if you can help it. You want them to be in yeah. the band, but he got the job done, and and it, there wasn't all that time wasting. But um, yeah, I, so I play. So to answer your question, I play acoustically because it's <clears throat> it's easier, and it's just you know you turn up. I just remember uh, seeing a, a documentary on Billy Bragg in his early days, and he just turned up with an electric guitar. Hmm. He had somebody holding his amp. And and then he came in, he played the electric, and you know, and then he did, you know, oh, I wished on them, but they were only satellites, and he did his thing. And and that was great. And I thought, well, this is Good brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he just did the, these songs and and he didn't have to set up and had to, you know, there wasn't all this. So that's that's the that's the very long answer, I'm afraid. Uh, I just play because it's um, it's convenient and it's just getting the job done, you know. So. Yeah, well, it's the path of least resistance, isn't it? You don't have to rely on other people who mm. you cannot control. Um, you can set up, play the song, and you know, in, in one take maybe, and, and that's it. Uh, so yeah. it's definitely, I can definitely see why that's appealing. And we'll probably get on to to this more in, in a bit, but kind of, I guess the world is is changing now in terms of being able to produce albums and songs of a full band just you know, on your set on your own or using samples or various other techniques whereas you know, we've discussed this quite a bit on the podcast before that when it was was what we why we struggled to finish stuff or record stuff was because you know getting all those band members together in the same room um getting them you know, getting the recording studio paying for the recording studio time and for you know for, for session mm. musicians if you needed to just made it that much more difficult to to finish um, a project in, in back in the 
the days when we were in a band as well. So I completely know what you mean. And I think if you just pick up the acoustic guitar, at least back then, it's it, it's a lot more accessible to get a song down. If it's just a singer and a, an acoustic guitar, you yeah. can just pick up a simple recorder and it still sounds pretty good. Uh, you don't yeah. need to worry about all the other things. So yeah, I completely get that. That's uh, that's cool. So to me, I'm intrigued to hear more about this, uh, the album that was never finished. <laughs> to, to tell us more about, uh, you hadn't about that. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, you said, oh, you know, do you do big productions? Well, what happened was it was like um, a sort of Todd Rundgren, I can't even say his name, uh, produced by Phil Spector, a meatloaf. It was like it was a the album. It started off as going to be a back to basics rock and roll album. Yeah. And I sat down <clears throat> and then I, 11 guitars and 11 bass guitars <laughs> later. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is just mad. I'm, and I, I, I was it made my nerves bad because. What happened was I became so perfect perfectionist yeah, about yeah. it. What I love about your tune lighting thing is, you know, like you've said in previous podcasts, you know, well, you know, we're not really sure if it's finished, but you know, it has to be finished. We've got to get it out. And um, and I totally understand that. I mean, I didn't have any deadlines or anything, and I was getting people in, and not that many people actually, but um, and I spent forever on this album. And I just think is there's, there's this thing that, um, funnily enough, it alludes to what um, Reagan said in your other one about the 80-20 mm. rule. I mean, like 80% is social media and 20% is, is actually advertising your wares and merchandise and music. Um, well, it also applies to, well, if you can get it 80% good, and 20%, not sure. But look at Bob Dylan's records. I mean, there's like, ah, you know, he's sort of, harmonicas all over the place it's not yeah. like the greatest they're done in one or two takes the albums are done in three days back in the day and i'm sure yeah. it spent a lot more time on the recent album which was excellent by the way yeah um so yeah so it, it got so massive this album and and i and then i i did 38 takes of one tiny guitar riff and, <laughs> oh, yeah, and we've, i was we've like, been oh, there. absolutely bonkers I, I really and and in the end i had to just abandon it and it took it took 10 years of my life. I mean, that's yeah. how, that's well, why tune writing was like, hey, these guys are, <laughs> they're really onto <laughs> something, you know? Yeah, so, that's, that definitely yeah. rings true. I think this would have turned into a 10 year project, wouldn't it, Jack, if we didn't have the deadline? Because you just, like you say, yeah. there's that you sit down and you record the guitar part over and over again. There's one song in yeah. particular I remember from this album where I was re recording the riff over and over again. Uh, and it just was sounding worse and worse and worse. Just couldn't capture that magic of the kind of the demo. And I think we even ended up just using the demo recording we of the guitar. Used, yeah, I think we used quite a lot of stuff from the original demos across just, the album. Uh, because capturing you, that, yeah, that rawness was just was tricky. Yeah. And do you sort of go back to the demo and go, oh, hang on, we're losing sight. Here's the anchor, the original, like sort of idea because that's what I do I tend to go as far far away from where it was mm. I, I notice I am yeah. and then I listen to the demo I go okay well I'll take bits of that but you, you, it's a difficult thing isn't it you want a, a marriage really of hard. yeah it is it's really difficult and then you, you think is it does it does it sound good you don't know because we've always seen it as a demo it's always been a demo in your eyes then you think well it's hard mm. to put that into a final song it feels not not cheating but it kind of you always, when you listen back to the final track, you're always thinking in the back of your mind, that's that demo guitar that's playing there. I hope it sounds all right yeah, yeah. to everyone else. I think something that sounds good as a demo is not necessarily the same as sounding good as a song. You think, oh, this sounds really good because it's the first time I've ever played it and it's it's nearly there. 
but it doesn't necessarily mean that that is as good as it could be. Uh, and I think that's where the struggle comes in, trying to make it a bit better. Um, yeah. Because it's the spirit of the thing you want to don't want to lose. I mean, it could be slightly out of tune or it could be slightly out of time, but this the spirit of of the the thing. It's like, well, you know, it, it's got a charm. You know, like I've done a vocal where it was like, oh, it was all over the place, and then somebody went, oh, it's really charming, and I'm like, yeah, yeah it's terrible. I'm like, yeah, yeah, but it's, you, you did that new one where you're all singing like Pavarotti, and it's you lost it, mate. Um. <laughs> I mean, I talked about the album that's kind of been ditched, as it were. Mm. It, it's, it's recorded. It's finished. I've got like five albums on the go. One has been wow. recorded. One, all the songs are written, but hasn't been recorded. One, the music's done, but I haven't done the lyrics. And the, I, I, I just don't know until people hear it, they, they tell me what it is and they'll say it sounds like the Monkees or they'll yeah. say it sounds like the Dave Clark Five or or. It sounds like the jam or something. I don't. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. So I've got that, and then there's uh, an album with just voice memos, demo, demo memos, when well, no, memo yeah. demos, and it's me sort of, you know, going into the phone. <laughs> brilliant. Late at about one thirty in the morning. You listen the just, next day. Yeah. Um, I don't know, was I trying to do that? You know? <laughs> there's there's an album in, in there somewhere. I know it, and I've got enough yeah. bloody with five albums on the go and another one with songs that I never even recorded. So there's, oh, wow. uh, yeah, so that's the, but um, what, <laughs> where Tune Lighting came in, uh, sort of, because I didn't, I can't claim that I wrote all the songs in a year, but mm. I did start recording and I, and I got as far as Christmas and things took over a bit, but I have started a new album, which, um, which nobody really knows about. And uh, all the 10, uh, 14 tracks in fact are recorded but i've got to do now do the lead guitar so i've left all the really horrible stuff like <laughs> lead guitar yeah. oh, i'm not sure a keyboard mm, you know need lessons help you know yeah, yeah. it's all been sort of left to the last minute and now i'm like dreading doing it you know and i don't want that but but talking to you guys today is helping to sort of re-inspire me is there a particular album that you think is good are they all kind of tricky ones to finish is there a particular one you've got your eye on that you think this is the one i'm going to try and get first or they all sure? are in a way i mean it's uh, i think the the one where i've written all the songs but it hasn't been recorded yeah. was going to be done with a friend called nathan and he is absolutely brilliant he can do the drums he can do yeah. the guitars he's into all the kind of 50s and 60s kind of music and Very he nice. would have added a kind of different flavor but because of lockdown and because of i'm stuck in australia that album hasn't happened so i'm kind of doing this this new album which is me in australia sort of making it up but but yeah. taking old songs and then adding lyrics to old ideas and the idea is is that it's not my debut album it's my pre-debut album oh nice, so, nice. <laughs> before, good way of taking the pressure off i like it <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's like it's just you know it's just a bunch of tracks and i'm just having fun you know it's just you yeah. know it's you know, I'm, exactly. It's like a device, a bit like, you know, pretending to be another band when you're yeah. doing the music, you know, being someone else or pretending you're um, blind boy Jefferson or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we had to do the podcast. It was like, we basically said, mm. we're going to have to do something stream to throw ourselves in to basically mean we can't back out because we're exactly, everyone's the same. It's a human trait. I think you, it's, it, you can yeah getting something over the line creative because it's, it's a vulnerable kind of thing to put it out there mm. and to get feedback mm. and yeah so that was <laughs> the podcast has 
been what we had to take it to that extreme level for ourselves to uh, mm. to release something in the end after all these years. So I completely well, have you done yourself all these years? Have you you've done albums before? Nope. Have you? Never done an album. Oh. Never done an album. We've recorded tracks in in the studio. <coughs> we, we've we've had little EPs like here and there, but we've never oh. finished a full out al- a full album. And and none of them have gone through the same process of mastering for instance we've never done uh-huh. intensive mixing ourselves or anything like that so but everything we released previously was a lot less we're just, they were basically just live recordings weren't they like we were in a band we'd play songs live we'd gig quite a lot and they were just basically us getting in the studio for half a day and recording the live performance really so it was nothing polished and this has been a completely different process of, of looking at things and and actually mm. thinking of it as an album from the start rather than just kind of we were just messing around really when we were in a band yeah and you you guys kind of got together after is it 15 years or was there like that sort of gap yeah it's uh, musically i mean we've, we've been, in tu- <laughs> been in touch obviously uh still friends but um yeah in terms of do, doing a musical project together we've been doing individual bits and bobs here and there but uh, this was the first project we've done as a duo for about yeah probably at least 10 years yeah yeah, yeah. We, we sort of talked about it in the past i wouldn't say wouldn't say we're like you and that we've had an album that's taken 10 years but we've had the idea of doing an album for yeah, probably yeah. about that amount of time without actually doing anything and some of the demos yeah. probably have been lingering around for almost that for that long <laughs> in my case there's no shame in that. I think like, if it's still a good idea ten years later, because I'm I'm humming tunes I came up with even longer ago than that. Well, I was I was going to say, Mark, I've seen on your your Instagram that you bring back tunes from the '90s that you wrote, which I think is really interesting. Yeah. Do you find when you go go back to those songs, maybe you'd sort of forgotten about them and think actually there was something there that I that was really good, and um, just because I was younger at the time doesn't mean it doesn't you know wasn't a great song or it doesn't have value. No, I, I think I look. I've written some terrible ones as well, but those ones do like it's like I've got visiting rights to them. It's like you know they've they've always been there in my mind. I've always liked them, or they went down well at the time, or whatever. And then they got forgotten about. And I thought, well, who's going to play those songs? Who's going <clears> to, <throat> you know? I think well, they, they, you know, I think they're decent. You know, I believe in them. I put a lot of blood, sweat, and whatever into it. And so you know, like the new one that you. Uh, that you liked um secret admirer that was yeah i wrote it when i was 18 and i and it's just really simple you know and it just it's just like i've sped it up a lot i mean at the time it was a lot slower but um i think all of them i've um you know there are some bad ones there but there's uh i know the ones that are good and i kind of Mm. clump them together into these kind of you know they're ready to go, ready to be played. I, I go through them quite a lot now and I, and I enjoy, but there's one called um, Scow and that was like a six and a half minutes or there was cellos on it and pianos and trumpets. And and this is done on a, 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 a little four track, like yeah. Tascan type thing, you know. Oh, nice. And, uh, and I, I've got, got this amazing, so I was really happy with it. And, um, and I remember playing it, you were talking about feedback and I played it to my friend and I was really proud of it. I was like, this is my Sergeant Pepper moment, you know, and all that tosh. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, it's got too many lyrics in it. Okay. And I was, I was like, he said, make it an instrument. I said, uh, I work so hard on these lyrics and, and it went out and then it kind of, people kind of went, yeah, it's all right. But I think they, it was too much. It was too much information. 
ignition. Six and a half minutes, it was just me going, you know, a black and white sound. I scale all around. Here it comes, rising up from the ground. It went on and on. So I've done it acoustically now and I've changed it and I've spaced out some of the words. So sometimes you, you can take your old material and refashion it or even give it a slightly different tune, which I did with Scowl. And you can, and I haven't actually played it live yet. So I have no idea if people might go, oh, God, it's still six minutes long. I don't think I can take it. On an acoustic guitar, oh, my God. So you don't know. I mean, you were saying about feedback, and I think that, you know, you've done the right thing. Your friends are family, and if they're honest, I said, well, you know, like my mum, for example, and my nan previously, they were always honest. They go, yeah, I like that one. And they'll say, oh, no, 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 I don't like that one at all, you know. And um, That's um, good to have. That's good to have. Yeah. 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 uh, So you find the same thing, right? You, You are they brutally honest with you? <laughs> I hope so. It is, it is really hard. We, like after releasing One Wish, it's like you've it's out there now on Spotify, and people are listening to it. People who maybe friends who haven't listened to the podcast or a bit more kind of out of the loop, and have, have been giving us really nice feedback. And you, you're so we've me and Jack keep saying we listen to these songs so many times and for so long, and they've mm. changed so much from the original demo that you lose all kind of perspective of. Is it any good? Is it? Is it? Have we just? We've, I don't know anymore. I've listened to it for so long that, and you get yeah. feedback of someone saying it's good, and you think, and you just don't know if they're being honest. And they say they're being honest, but you know, you do get yeah. friends that. Uh, I think uh, maybe got, yeah yeah consider it. I think maybe when the album comes out, we'll get more feedback, and because you know our, our friends are nice, they first and foremost don't want to kind of. Probably don't want to upset us. I'm sure they are being being honest, but I think you can probably judge by the ones they say they like more. Um, yes. Are yes. you know? There's at least some. There's definitely some <coughs> truth in that. Um, and the weird thing as well is that I've got so invested in kind of pr- the production side of things that like I almost want to hear what a really good producer thinks of like certain aspects of the mixing rather than whether someone actually just likes it as a song so we've had like friends who haven't who aren't musicians at all saying it's really catchy i've had it stuck in my head i really like it but then i'm thinking in the background oh but i wish i'd turn the kick up a little bit there and i want someone who's like a proper producer to go yeah you're right you should have put some more compression on that and like give me that proper so i think it's, it's straight you kind of lose that it almost um, becomes a different uh what's the word like a different skill set that you're looking for feedback on the mix i'm almost looking for that what how was my mixing rather than like how was the songwriting because we mm. whereas really no, the songwriting is the key is yeah. the key <laughs> yeah it is it's, it's simply you know i mean i think the best critics actually aren't producers or uh, i think children because if, yeah, if yeah. Like, one wish is played to a four-year-old um and they go oh you know if you hear a four-year-old singing that it's a hit i'm telling you a a baby a two-year-old a three-year-old because their brains aren't they can only take in simple information if it's catchy and then it gets Mm. through to their brain then like you know obviously you know playing peter gabriel era era genesis is probably not (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. you know uh, probably not but um I think I was I exposed to that when I was a, a four-year-old child, probably in my uh, in my household. <laughs> probably all I ever well, I was, I, My dad, <laughs> yeah, my dad was into um, talking about albums, and uh, this is the thing about albums, about music, is that <clears throat> my dad went in with this sort of uh, this neighbour of ours. He was like eighteen or nineteen, and he was really up his own jacks. Jack, Jack, <laughs> 
Ah, uh, oh, okay. Um, and he was like, you know, very pretentious. And he was like, well, I'm into Genesis and Peter Gabriel. And so <laughs> yeah, sort of a copy of Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. And my dad was a bit, I'm oh, sorry, dad, RIP and all that. Um, but, you know, I think he was trying to get in with him because yeah. he wanted to be cool when he was approaching 40. And he, <laughs> anyway, he played this album and the, the family were bored stiff i'm being polite now i was going to say something else um <laughs> and uh it was just like this is crap you know this is awful and then what what happened uh so many years later i think it was one of my favorite albums of all time now that is an album that's gone on that journey from when i was 11 i was bored you know yeah. and now i'm like whoa the, the keyboard sound on that you know the fly on the windscreen all that stuff wow the time signatures oh tony banks <laughs> oh phil collins yeah. you're a genius you know but at the time i was just thought it was a lot of old crap and, <laughs> um, but, it, but that's what albums do albums have yeah. their time music has their time one wish will have its time if not now then later or or all the way through who knows you know, some music is timeless. Yeah. I mean, that's probably why this brings me on to, uh, unless you want to pick up on that. Sorry, did you yeah, want to I say Yeah, I was just going to say you're completely right. I think that's one of the exciting things we were talking about this the other day about releasing an actual record and getting it out into the world. It's there forever. It's like, it's in the world. It's on a CD. It's on, you know, virtually anyway. It's, we're going to get we're gonna get CDs made eventually, but it's, at least for now, it's in the cloud there so is out there could like you say it yeah. could get picked up we were talking about search for sugar man weren't we, the other day about that. yeah we don't see have you seen that film uh, i don't know if you know the film i i, I haven't seen it yet is that rodrigo rodrigo yeah exactly so i mean I, long story short he's mm. makes some music in the 60s fades into obscurity and then about 40 years later finds out that he's absolutely massive in south africa so I'm not saying that's going to happen to us, but the idea that once the music's out there, anyone in future, and especially with the internet, anyone yeah. can find anything now. It's, it's scary in a way because there's so much music out there and it's, it's overwhelming. But in another way, once you put it out there, who knows what's going to happen? It's uh, It could get picked up by anyone at any point. So, yeah. You just don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, and, and it, you know, if somebody's at a dinner party and you go, what do you do? And even say, it's like, say 20 years later and you've packed the guitars and the synths away or whatever. And you, and then, you know, it's, it's out there still. And then yeah. you just go, oh yeah, I did some music. Uh, and then it, and it, then it might be, well, I'll open my phone up or whatever they got in the future. Yeah. In the future. I don't know. Yeah, what's it is, it's what I did. Oh God, that's really great. You know what? I work for an advertising company and we're looking for that kind of sound and they don't do that sound anymore. That one wish. Wow. Yeah. Well, let's put this on an advert for razors. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. or astronauts or whatever. It is. <laughs> yeah. For astronauts, um, razors in the future. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Clean shaven astronauts. Clean <laughs> shaven astronauts. And uh, yeah. So, um, you know, that it, it's there. It's, it's exactly. I mean, I've got stuff on that's still there on YouTube and, yeah, and, I, and I'll, yeah, I'll just bring it up and people don't like it. They don't like it. I, it <laughs> just go on, give it another five years and the world will catch up. Yeah. You were talking about um, vinyl in one of your, um, and, you know, putting it out and that how the the art of the cover, the album cover was a big yeah. type thing. And, you know, and there was a gatefold and there was like lyrics inside. And sometimes you got stickers and all the rest of it. Yeah. And then you actually uh, reminded me of a story because in one of your episodes, I think you mentioned that, you know, back in the good old days of vinyl. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. You know, you had uh, Scratch and Sniff. 
And it just conjured up this this image of this friend of mine, um, John, and he was into The Damned and they had an album out called Strawberries. Mm. Well, you can guess what that smell of. And, <laughs> and he went around and he was, I mean, it was pretty embarrassing, actually. I, I was with him at the time. And uh, he was sniffing the inner sleeves of all the Strawberries albums. Going, <laughs> I'm not sure this one smells strawberries enough. <laughs> And I said, John, you know, people are staring, you know, uh, you're making a scene. And uh, and I, I know at that point I thought, well, you know, is this really about music anymore? <laughs> it's more about strawberries. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I've actually got a copy of Sergeant Pepper and I'm sure it was a joke. The guy that sold it to me and he actually smells of marijuana. I'm sure somebody <laughs> tipped a little bit of marijuana. And I didn't even know what marijuana was when I was 14. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a lot to be said about scratch and sniff, but uh, but now, of course, I hanker for those days. I'm like, oh, scratch and yeah. sniff. Yeah, like, it, it is. You can't get that on Spotify, can you? Unfortunately, no, we're well, not, not yet. yet. Anyway. I mean, so maybe there's uh, maybe we should be doing. And you've got mixed. Yeah. You've got mixed views about Spotify. What, what do you think? You're on it. You're, you're well, we're on. Yeah, we're, on well. we're on it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I mean, <clears> as a listener, you know, it's. I do hanker for those days of like when an album felt more special and you listened to it over and over again. And it was a, it was a ritual of buying it and, and reading yeah. through all the lyrics. But I kind of, I, I don't know whether I would still do that in the same way anyway, when now I'm grown up more and I would have the time that I did when I was you know, a teenager to, to really invest in an album like that. So it's hard to know. <laughs> yeah. And also, but I think I'm very grateful to Spotify for like helping me discover new music in terms of, you know, suggested artists and just clicking around randomly or tracks coming mm-hmm. on. If it wasn't for Spotify, I wouldn't have discovered you know, certain genres even of, of, of music. So I'm torn because I understand it's, and we're, uh, we kind of have to be careful, I guess, um, because a lot of the tune lighting is very much like, this is a bit of fun. We're doing it. We, we don't expect it to, to be our sole source of income. And obviously, obviously there are artists out there who are struggling to, it's their job. They're trying to, it's, they're not tune lighting there. They're just full on the band. They're, they're in a band. They're just tune. Yeah. Um, so we have to kind of be <clears throat> to kind of undermine that because we, we're doing. We we've made it clear that it's very much a, a hobby and, a, and more of a, a bit of fun. But yeah, obviously Spotify does have an impact on people that are trying to do it because uh, we'd be happy if we just made a few quid, you know, just to cover the costs of the the mastering or whatever. But yeah, yeah. how about yourself? Um, do you do you use it much? Do you do you get into your? Are you still buying albums, physical albums, or are you, uh, are you into the streaming these days? Well, I I I like to buy a physical CD. Yeah, and I like yeah. to own it. And I like to put it in the car and go. I will say this about Spotify. Um, uh, it was back in the in the day when there was vinyl on the inner sleeves of the the cheaper albums, the ones where they didn't actually create a proper inner sleeve with lyrics or anything like that. You'd have these kind of paper kind of this the vinyl would go in the paper in a sleeve and on it would be um a, a kind of a drawing uh, of a cassette and it'd have a skull and crossbones in the middle it would say home taping is killing music and so it would be like oh well better not tape any albums because I don't want to like kill music yeah yeah and uh and now it's like well Spotify is killing the album I think that's more of a threat to yeah. to 
you know, music and the industry, well, it, it's already done that, really. I mean, I think that horse has bolted, but yeah. it makes me laugh because back in the day when I was saying home taping is killing music, I was taping albums from friends and deciding whether I like them and then buying them on vinyl. So yeah. it wasn't killing at all. But now yeah, it's a completely different ball game. And if the industry could have looked whatever it was, 30 years into the future and seeing what was happening now i don't know how they would feel i don't think they adjusted quick enough i mean that's a different topic altogether yeah that's that, that's yeah. probably a, a case for a lot of things in society isn't it like it's it, there's things are moving so quickly that it's hard to adjust at the, at the same pace mm. i think yeah, yeah. there's a, a gatekeepers if you like of the industry spend too long trying to cling on to the old way when clearly uh that's not the way the world is going so trying as long as possible to mm. to kind of ignore the fact that streaming takes place and illegal downloading takes place rather than trying to accommodate mm. that or offer a better alternative. Again, it comes back to this question of are you doing it to make money solely or are you just happy for your music to be out there and getting heard? Um, it's probably a bit of both, isn't it, in, in reality mm. for us? Well, yeah. Like I mean, with this yeah. project, for sure, it's just about getting it heard, isn't it? Like if people want to tape it and want to borrow the CD from the library and record it <laughs> they're more than welcome to do library what's that yeah what yeah that's that was uh that was kind of the, the go-to thing like it's like I remember discovering that you could borrow cds from the library and then you know just put them on your computer no not that i ever did that um you know, no no i, I actually I, I was one of those people that never did anything like that i was always yeah. buying actually buying the cds yeah i would do if oh, i had the probably. money um at the time but um it was a way of getting more music quicker now yeah it's yeah. it's just all there isn't it on for 10 pounds and or for free if you're prepared to listen to the odd advert on spotify yes. so uh yeah yeah i think it is a shit if i look at it brutal being brutally honest i think it's probably got more negative effects than than positive but um it's there now uh, we've got to kind of learn to to deal with it i guess in a way but um if, it, if it's gonna be if it's gonna be if it's there and you can hear any music in the last, you know, million years or whatever, and mm. I mean, that's pretty amazing. So, I mean, I've kind of come round to it because I think the royalty thing is disgraceful. Yeah, but I think yeah. well, it's a huge resource and Spotify has allowed me to listen to, as I say, music I would never get into, like like rap. I'd never really buy a rap album, but if I, you know, I might, I, I, yes, it's just amazing. You just got to just embrace it, but well, I don't like it, you know, you know. But I still do try and go out. If I really like an album, I'll still go out and try and you know, buy the physical album um, mm -hmm. if I can. I think I'm going to buy it, get myself a new uh, vinyl player and I've got to save up the money oh. and uh, you know, start buying vinyl again. Because I think just it's just nice to, to give a bit of money to the artist, but just to have that physical, physical thing again. Uh, and you were saying that... The the, the mastering is different for vinyl because I, I wasn't really yeah. I'm not 100 because mastering that with that's a subject you were saying <laughs> whoa ma mastering you know mixing is bad you know hard um because I you know yeah I've got all your concerns I completely share and the mastering is it for me is like yeah like what is going on there you know what is yeah. going on Nobody knows. Do Nobody they? knows. But it's yeah, just no, I don't know. Yeah, well, we're hoping know, to get uh, some mastering engineers on to chat to us, but um, we'll, we'll see if we can get. They all seem very busy. Uh, well, they're very mysterious. Yeah, very mysterious. Yeah. Seems like everyone's been recording albums during lockdown, so uh, <laughs> got a lot of lot of mastering to get through. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a good uh, 
place to bring it back to the music you're making now because it seems from our kind of conversations we've been having like you've been sort of approaching this side by side with us doing a lot of the same things that we're doing at a similar sort of time yeah so for the albums that you have got coming up um we're kind of <laughs> mixing well i mean there are there are many <laughs> i'll be lucky if one comes out go on uh well okay we'll start with start with album singular um what's your kind of um plan with with mixing and mastering and ultimately releasing well i think um i, I you know like we're mixing okay so i go the worst thing about mixing is suddenly i've got this brick of uh, like an audio brick that where yeah. there's no waves and I don't where how do I do that how did it get like that there's just so much sound on it and and I I need someone really to help you know like how do I stop that you know so th th then I do that thing where you take all the faders down to zero and you creep yeah. one up mm. and then you turn it up on the headphones you go okay and um <laughs> and it's it's a, a it's it's sort of torture. I mean, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. All this technology, but sometimes I, there's bits of it I don't understand. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I would claim I'm a producer, but I, I feel like an amateur some of the time. It's easy to yeah. get overwhelmed because you've got so many tools and, and so many possibilities to. But the reality is, it's all 99%, maybe not quite that much, is in the arrangement, is in the songwriting, is in the levels. Like if you can, you, oh. can, you can basically this many examples of great songs which are just yeah. the mixing is is minimal and you can it's all about just enhancing it and i definitely got lost throwing plugins on and then you realize maybe it's just not right maybe i need to go back and start again for the songwriting but we were told to separate <laughs> the mixing and the and the songwriting but i just don't think that's possible i mean i have this argument with in one of our earlier episodes i think uh, james who came on james russell is a who knows a lot more the technical side of the mixing process than, than we do but he kind of said it's good to draw a line under the songwriting and then move on to the mixing but I just mm -hmm. don't think I'd ever be able to do that because there's certain things when I'm doing the mixing stage that I'm like oh that doesn't quite work I need to maybe take that out put something else in so I don't think I'd ever be disciplined enough to separate the two things entirely. But do, do you think that what you can do is sort of you know, go on holiday for a week or two and then mm. come back, okay. Or, or even you get to um, one end of the project and then you get to say track, say you got some bonus tracks that you kind of, you don't know which ones are going on the album yet and you get to say track 20 or 15 or and there's only 15 or 12 on the album. But you, you you go to like right to the end of the project and then you then you go back to the beginning and you go, oh, okay, oh, no, actually, that sounds great. That first mix was really great. Oh, fantastic! What was I? What was I worrying about? <laughs> you know, um, is there, I mean, there's like I've got a friend called Nigel, and he's absolutely brilliant at everything. Um, but he he said, you know, you need to scoop out those lower frequencies because it's going to sound a lot clearer. I'm like, yeah, oh yeah. And I started worrying about it. But I was worrying about something I almost didn't understand. I, I knew what I, you know, yeah, I know that exact feeling. Yeah. There's a clump, you know. I could see, but it, you know, I remember just John Lennon saying, you know, I wrote it for breakfast. 
Um, um, we went in the studio in the afternoon uh, uh, for lunch and then we put it out for dinner. And I thought that is, you know, and it was instant karma. He just did it really quickly and bang, you know, and it was a really, it, the rough mix actually ac- accidentally got sent to the record plant. They were in such a hurry to get the record yeah. out and it came out like 11 <laughs> days after they recorded it. It was on the charts within, you know, I think it's straight in the top 10. It was, it was yeah. literally the, one of the fastest records ever. And, um, just, and I yeah. have to say that. That that might be, you know, the, the overthinking thing. It's so Sometimes, easy to overthink. No, I tell you what, you guys, right? Here's a, here's a trick because we, we we talked about your tricks. I've got one. You just tell yourself it's going to be remastered in the future, right? It's going to be a box set. That <laughs> idea, keep it because it might be a bonus. You know, there might be some yeah, interest yeah. in that. That that commercial advertising raises for astronauts. You know, it might take twenty years. We reissue it on Rhino or whatever, but you know, you, you, it, it's okay. I can redo the album because yeah. the technology will be in place to kind of master it myself. And mastering masters will be mastering engineers will be like a thing of the past. You just press a button, and I mean, you can do that now, but yeah. I mean, you know, it'll, be, it'll be so advanced that you'll be like, no, just wait twenty years, and then you can redo what you did. Naturally, you'll probably go, you know, I what, yeah, yeah, I don't want to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, I like that. That's very good advice. Yeah. As long as as long as we keep the um, keep the project files, keep all the, the stems, then we, we'll have that option in our back pocket. Even if it's like learning what we say about learning karate or something, you learn it so you need never use it. Uh, it's like you, mm. you keep you keep the tracks so so you can remaster them. Even though, really, that's not the point. The point <laughs> is to get it finished. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, finishing is 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 um, actually, I think you know, there's a lot of really talented people out there. Um, you know, um, we are some of them, I think. Um, and uh, I I just think that the 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 the, the thing that the people that are not as talented that say, and that's not being horrible, uh, say the ones who just finish things and they get it out, you know, um, they're the ones that have the success because they, 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 they're motivated. They, you know, you gotta, you gotta have motivate, you, know, you need talent, um, yeah. you need the hard work and you need the kind of drive to create the success. And I think if one of those is missing and I know a few people where they're, they're, they're really talented, but they just can't get it going. Mm. And I'm, I would say I'm one of those people as well. I've got albums that haven't come out and I'm struggling and I'm learning every day. I'm trying to learn to be a, you know, we're all learning. I mean, be you, you are the teachers because you're saying, well, look, we can do it in a year. And um... I do wonder sometimes if yeah, how much more difficult it would have been if it wasn't the two of us. It was just if it was just me doing the project on my own, because I know you can you just be able to have to have someone to check yourself. We check songs with check things with. I mean, everyone, like you say, you've got quite a few friends. It sounds like you can gas feedback and you've got to say it is really important to have that. But I know people that have spent years and years producing albums and it tends to be those people that are doing it on their own because you get into these cycles of you know, is it any good am i i could keep doing it and it's, it feels even more personal i imagine whereas me and jack kind of we're in this together putting this album out there and it's it's almost i, I do wonder if it, it would have been more of a struggle if it had just been just been one person no i think having each other is is a really really good thing and i can see you've, you know you really work together on this and and you, in the podcast i've heard that and um no you, we're human beings we're social animals and we mm. need we need people really i mean any no man no person i should, I should say is is an island mm. and i think it's a good thing i mean i actually would rather be 
with something. I'm I'm doing this kind of solo album, but I yeah. mean, it's, I mean, there's a bit of ego there. Oh, it's a solo album. <laughs> But, yeah. but you know, at the end of the day, it's it's not really quite as much fun. Yeah, you yeah. don't have the mm. hassle of someone saying, "Well, I I want it to go this way." But and I'm a bit of a diplomat anyway. Yeah. I probably could sort that one out. But um, most um, solo albums, when you look into it, or solo artists, there's always a team behind them, or there's a producer <coughs> that's very much you know a lot of the. When you listen to podcasts, uh, we we talk about the tape notes podcast a lot. I don't know if you listen ever listen to it, but where they they kind of right. dissect. It's an it's a podcast where they just it go really in depth on on an album and speak to the producer. And when it's a solo artist, it's pretty much always them and a producer. And it almost sounds like the producer is is part of the band when they're talking about the album, like they're talking about it together, like like they're a band. But it's just a, it's just the one person's name on the album at the end. So I think mm. uh, it's, it seems like the a name lot of sells. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like David Bowie, he was co-writing a lot of songs with. Um, Oh, Reeves Gabriel, mm. and he was the guy in Tin Machine. Tin Machine had bombed, and everybody went, yeah. ah, Tin Well, actually, I love their first album, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but uh, Tin Machine stinks. Like, no, I don't, not really. It's one, one or two bad songs, but I think the first album was amazing. But yeah. Reeves Gabriel was then retained for <clears throat> the albums he did, like Thursday Child, the single, and I think he did a few others. And um, but it was David Bowie that was, this name went on the cover because he that sold Reeves Gabriel mm. wasn't going to sell. I was like Reeves Gabriel, all that sounds very um, obscure. So um, there is always a there's always a team, like you say, and um, and particularly now, like uh, I think Ed Sheeran. I don't know much about Ed Sheeran. Really. I won't go there. But um, there's always a, there's always a team of like there's like sometimes there's fifteen people have written yeah, a record. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen. How many? Like is that like one for each three seconds of music? Or? <laughs> That's amazing, yeah. isn't it? How yeah. do they do that? Well, I, I like doing it yeah. on my own. It definitely yeah. feels like you can have too many cooks in this situation. Like what, yeah. what are all those people contributing? Are they not going to end up kind of compromising massively? Um, well, I don't yeah. think they're worried about it. I think it's a commercial thing. Well, that and is, I think yeah, that that's the point, isn't it? They want yeah. to compromise. They want yeah, to give them as palatable yeah. record possible, yeah. Because they have like one person who will go... Uh, yeah, we got the right number of hooks. Okay, we got the millennial. You know, you got these. They're basically, they're like the writers, but like, yeah. it's not right. I've run That's it through the algorithm, right. and it's it's ticks all the boxes for a catchy song for this current audience. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I had a song called "Oh How I Love the Rain." Yeah, had weird chords. I thought I'd, I've no idea if this is going to go well. It didn't go well. I was singing behind a big dark rain cloud. I was drenched with rain. I thought, well, I've suffered from my art and I got nothing out of it. But I learned a lesson. I learned, yeah, there's certain chords you can use. If you stick to A, G and E or whatever, you know, it's three chords, you know, one, four, five. Yeah, you're probably going to be more successful. That That's true. That, there is a sort of sometimes a formula but sometimes unexpected things happen you know like you mm. just don't know what's gonna catch fire you go well i didn't think you'd like that oh that's nice you know yeah i think that that's the number one thing you got to please yourself first and also you got to trust your instincts and like you're saying your instincts are but both of you is is to kind of yeah does it excite us you know do we mm. we like doing it? Yeah, that that's really good so that's definitely uh the way to go i would i don't think you can please an audience ever i mean uh, you know you can you know because i mean it, it doesn't as you know, much it's... as ed sheeran's team of 15 think they can every time they're <laughs> well, not going to please everyone yeah good luck to him no no good luck to him I, i've got no problem with that he's a commercial artist he's worked hard i remember reading an article actually uh it was an interview and he said the secret of my success and i thought what's the secret of your success ed i really want to know <laughs> and it turned out 
I don't watch television. Oh, right. <laughs> really simple as that. Said, no, don't watch television. Turn the TV off. Don't watch the news. Don't watch anything. Don't watch yeah. news. Like all the things I'm guilty of watching, by the way. Yeah, Maybe yeah. You are too. I don't know. And um, yeah, and then suddenly it was like, oh, yeah, I'll probably have a lot more time. I didn't watch any TV. <laughs> Since I've been in Australia, I haven't watched much TV either, but I don't think yeah. I've got anything done, actually. So, Ed, if you're watching, <laughs> sure it's uh, entirely true. Dodgy advice. Yeah. I used to be, I used to be like, oh, that's glow old crap, you know, yeah. you know, but oh uh, yeah, no, it's an industry. He's trying to make a living, and yeah, you, know, you sound a bit like us in terms of well, the more yeah. I've got into music production, the more I actually get, look and listen to a pop song and be like, whereas I would have been like, that's crap before. Now, now yeah. I look at it as a someone who's struggled with a song and think, oh, actually, they have done a good job at that particular type of song and even though it's not necessarily my cup of tea i can appreciate the the production side of things so it's definitely opened my my eyes what ears to uh to music i would have kind of dismissed in the past mm. for sure so i can listen to an ed sheeran record and be like oh yeah they well they've they've have got a really good hook there and the, mm. the structure of the song is is clever and it doesn't get boring can kind of it's yeah so it can you can appreciate those things even if it's not the, the type of music you might listen to typically I definitely think so because, um, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> you know, I actually, uh, I think I, I ended up playing a an Ed Sheeran song. It was online. I just, I don't, it was something I was doing, and yeah. and I said, "You've got to play this song." And like, it was like I was having like trying to learn a bit of lead guitar, so I did that Fender play thing. Yeah. And they said, "Right, you're going to play Ed Sheeran." I'm like, I don't even know the song. It was just chords, and yeah. it was yeah. interesting because oh, you were getting in, like almost getting inside Ed's head plus his fifteen other writers. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Uh, um you know and and I, yeah, that was yeah, that was interesting you know because yeah. um because kind of like, okay well, out of your comfort zone going and doing yeah. something you wouldn't usually do that's cool you know when you do covers it, it i mean i don't do covers myself but i i have learned from this very recent thing where you play through somebody else's idea and you're almost going through their thought process you think oh what well, you know like i did champagne supernova and it like had mm. a C six or, or there was a, some chord or F over something, and I'm like, yeah. I don't even know what that is, but I played it, and I, I, I think I learned something. I think if you do stretch yourself, you know, it means yeah, that definitely. you next time you write a song, and um, you know, but I mean, obviously playing in those early bands, you know, like doing covers, you know, I mean, like in these days, I mean, I never did covers, and I will tell you why I didn't do covers because I thought. <laughs> I thought, you know, like if I do a Chuck Berry song, you know, Chuck Berry might come round to my house and like sue me <laughs> and get lawyers onto me because like you've done my song. What are you doing? That's my property. Yeah. Like, Sorry, Chuck. You know, and I just got, I was very young. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, I don't think I really believe that, but um, I did. I did. I did sort of uh, think. Well, you know, to avoid any of that, if that ever happens and Chuck comes around or any of the others. Then I'm just going to write my own, and I'll try not to copy anyone. I remember yeah. meeting somebody once. Have you ever? I don't know if you've ever done this, or I mean, I'm not judging you, but um, I met this guy once, um, and he said, "Yeah, you know, I took a song from the charts and uh, changed the chord here, changed a bit of melody there." Yeah. So the song. I'm like, no, you didn't. You just changed it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. And uh, I never forgot that because I thought well, I never want to do that. But there's a yeah. couple of songs that you do when you're writing, right? I don't know if you can relate to this. You know, you think, oh, oh that melody is so brilliant. And then you discover, oh, it's yeah. come from. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's definitely happened. Yeah. Frank, Frank actually... Sinatra. 
Yeah. There's a Frank Sinatra song. That, oh, it's that. It's like, but is it enough? Is it? And you have to go through <laughs> that kind of judge and jury thing when. Yeah. Have you ever written a song though where you, you know, I mean, I'm, I, I, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you ever like, you know, I've, look, my latest one is on. This is really embarrassing. We're amongst <laughs> friends, right? But I actually pretend I'm Bob Dylan. And I, was like, and I put this terrible voice on, and, yeah. and I, there's recordings of me on voice memos, demos, nice. and they sound so embarrassing. But it does push out good <laughs> yeah. ideas. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. Like, I'll play it to someone, and then they'll go, oh, "So who does that sound like?" Oh, I don't know. It's a Bob Dylan. They go, "Sounds nothing like Bob Dylan." <laughs> Where did you get that idea from? Yeah, it's like it kind of goes through this factory, like you know, your version of, mm. not really your version, but your a song like. So sort of knocking on heaven's door, which I don't like, by the way, but it goes through your brain and it's all it yeah. comes out as this sort of something else completely different. Like if you want to do a gospel song, and and I don't think I can do gospel to save my life, but you know, it will come out as something kind of do you have you ever done that kind of mm. try to write like an artist or um good question. Yeah, I definitely have. I definitely have like artists that are inspiring me at the time. Oh, and you know, like you say, it often ends up sounding completely different and nothing like mm. that artist. And we've had it the other way around where kind of you hear, you're listening back to something, you go, oh, that sounds really like something uh, mm. that I that was like completely by accident. I don't know, Jack, how about you? I, um, yeah, I never really try and sound like someone in particular or a particular song or particular artist um what i will have is i've heard a new song maybe it's really inspired me and that'll make me want want to go and write mm. pick up a guitar and i basically end up playing exactly the same song because that's what's in my head and that's what's inspiring uh, me at that moment yeah like, okay no i can't do this and then maybe i'll change a chord and it's like well it's still the same song it's just one chord is slightly less good than the song i'm copying uh, so yeah. um you don't I've never, I've never got very far. People now, the audiences now, the, I'm talking about people that aren't totally into music. They'll just go, oh, that's nice. That's on the radio. That's good. But that now it's just like you go into a shopping mall or whatever and um, you're just hearing the same songs all the time from 30 or 40 years yeah, ago. And yeah. There's so much creativity out there. There's more music out there now from new artists like yourself. And... Uh, you know, one will one wish get uh, played in, you know, in HMV. Maybe if we sneak in with a CD one day, <laughs> a distraction. Well, yeah. you've reminded me of a friend of mine, and um, what he did was he went into all the major record shops in uh, in London, and he basically got his CD and slipped it into the. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Into the, the you know the the rat yeah. and said, take me I'm free. And I thought that's that was a, that's brilliant. a good idea. Good, I've, yeah. I've seen it. Guerrilla marketing. An author yeah, doing that recently with a book, kind of leaving it around in places in the town that he lives in, saying like you know, free copy, take it. It's a good way of getting it out there. I wanted to mention the inner critic. Oh um, yeah, yeah. With the so, inner critic, I think uh, you don't want the inner critic to be at the beginning of the songwriting process when you're like, you know, kind of messing around and going, ooh, ooh trying to be Bob Dylan or whatever. You got to, the inner critic has his, his or her role. Um, and that is 
when when you've finished you know 10 minutes of jamming with, on your guitar and singing nonsense and then you go okay well that bit was good that bit could be the chorus that could be the end and then you might take that idea and then run with it and re in, in, re uh improvise but i think the inner critic has a role at the end but not certainly not at the beginning and and, mm. I, and i like it a little bit to you know kind of an odd sort of upside kind of down sort of way to an author who has written a book and then it gets adapted for tv or film and then they they're on the set of the film and then they're, they're not wanted anymore it's actually the opposite way and they're sort of saying oh how's the film going and they're going yeah yeah it's going fine what's he doing here you know he only wrote the book what's he doing he's is he seeing how we're you know ruining his book you know and i think um so the the the, the author has his place at the beginning and the inner yeah. critic has their place at the end of the process so that, you, just do, you, to... do you find yourself are you good at knowing when to to listen to your inner critic are you are you do you find that you've it's something you've had to work on in terms of being able to know when it's, we've talked about in the early episodes, resistance, you know, an unhelpful ah. voice in your head that's just trying to stop you from finishing something. Do you, are you good at knowing when it's constructive in a critic and when it's, when it's not and when to kind of ignore it? <laughs> well, I think that was actually a really good episode because um, I've listened to all of them, by the way. I think the only one I haven't heard is the one on the streets, the album. Oh, because yeah, yeah. I actually saved it. I thought, oh, I must go back to that one. So I just wanted to say that. Um, but uh, the the war at the resistance, yeah, like why does resistance come up yeah. when you're trying to be creative? And I think it's uh, it's. I think some people have said that if you stare stare at something for too long, like a song or a, you know, it then runs away. It hides. It's like it goes into the bushes. And you're like, no, come back. <laughs> you know, come back. No, no, no. I'm I'm, I'm finished. Um, and you have to kind of like look sort of sideways like that. And then you might sort of, they might creep in and then you might be able to sort of capture, like take a still photo of the creativity yeah. you like to mix the metaphors. Um, but yeah, and I think it's, it's no, no, the answer is <laughs> I will never, ever be yeah. able to, um, you know, get a handle on um, the war against resistance, as, as you call it. Because, yeah. Uh, it's it's every, everybody struggles with it. You have to cheat yourself, and you have to, as I say, play tricks like, well, I'll release it as a box set in five years or ten yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, it's not finished. Nothing's finished. I can always go back to it. You might never go back to it, but you've got to play these games with yourself. You've got to say, well, look, let's do it quickly, um, and then you know, you just have to play games. You have to lie Dude, to yourself. I've got a lot of creative about creative project creative projects is about these tricks and tricking yourself and setting deadlines and do it yeah just all these little little ideas up with some of those yeah. Yeah. yeah definitely um, so but, so deadlines specifically is that one you've tried have you set yourself deadlines for finishing uh, projects i tell you what jack i am the master of the spreadsheet oh nice. <laughs> well, i can appreciate that on the left left hand i'll do it your way left hand side uh, is that the right Okay, there, there's the songs, and then at the top, I've got like bass, rhythm guitar, lead guitar, keyboards, and then there's a kind of you know they're all a grid system, and then I fill in the the little hole, the little circle, blank yeah. circle, um, to say I've done the guitar, the rhythm guitar on track two or whatever, and um, I'm brilliant at all that. I'm really excellent at spreadsheets and planning. <laughs> I'm absolutely crap at 
putting it all together and getting it released because there's no pressure, no record companies saying, you know, when you're getting your album out, oh, my friends aren't really, they used to be a bit more like, you know, but they've got lives now and we're a bit older. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no uh, urgency and the world's got enough music. And so, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a, a constant struggle. This is the difference between successful people and, is the people that get it out are the ones that, like you were saying about, um, one of your guests was saying about mixing should be separate from songwriting. And mm. it's a, a bit like, um, well, that he that person is, I forgot their name, sorry, is is very good at compartmentalising. And the, as I say, the only way around that would be to go on holiday or to go to the yeah. end of the project and come all the way back and go three months later, go, oh, okay, yeah, no, no, that wasn't so bad. Or, oh, well, no, no, actually, it needs this, you know. <laughs> So, Mark, as you know, um, on this podcast, we try and ask our guests a couple of standard questions about the album format. The first being the big one. If you can, tell us what your favourite album of all time is. Well, I did think about this, and I'm afraid it's a really, really boring answer. It's probably a Beatles album, and it will probably be either Revolver, Sergeant Pepper, the White Album, or Abbey Road, and but they're all brilliant for different reasons, and and I'll go through them very briefly. Rubber, um, sorry, um, Revolver is a very, uh, it's got innovation, it's got pop songs, it's got songs that are less than two minutes. It's sort of started sampling with Tomorrow Never Knows. It's just got everything. It's a thirty-five minute album. That's all you need. Sergeant Pepper. I don't really need to say much about that, except I did think of something today, and it was like you have She's Leaving Home, which is like a baroque sort of kind of strings and then you i think it goes into um, being for the benefit of mr kite which is victoriana psychedelia then it goes into an indian ragger uh about spirituality and then into vaudeville when i'm 64 now that's what an album that is and now people are trying to downplay it we won't go there because i i if you get me started on the beatles i won't stop yeah yeah yeah. and then the white album is like oh let's cut the white album to a single album no it's a double album it's a sprawl it's this massive collection of avant-garde sound effects and and goofy stuff and folk ditties and mountain ballads and bloody everything and a bit of sky bloody you know it's got bloody everything and then abbey road is very symphonic and very uh, uh, one you know that the end you know i mean you know but if you're going to ask me to pick outside the beatles yeah i would give you probably i i've got to say one of my favorite albums and i've really think it's incredible it was one of the albums that my dad was listening to which i absolutely hated at the time and it was not lamb lies down and broadway which is brilliant a trick of the tail and a trick of the tail people really run phil collins down but phil collins drumming on that album is phenomenal it's like all these time signatures it just messes with your head Mm. and when you first hear it you probably go oh no that's too whoa whoa it's just all over the place but once you understand the language of the album and that goes back to the journey you sometimes take with an album yeah. it suddenly you you become oh okay i never got it when i was 11 but now i'm whatever um you go yeah i know i get it i know yeah i'm ready for those time signatures yeah. whoa phil collins what he's doing with that hi-hat i mean all that stuff about what he did in the 80s forget that put that to one side he wanted to be ed sheeran he wanted to be a success that that was good luck to him good luck to you phil <laughs> but what you did on that album with the drums i mean what they all did on the trick of the tail i tell you that is the album if you want to be challenged yeah. and you want to be taken on the journey that is a very very good album i could name a load of more a lot of the arctic monkeys albums i really love 
Yeah. Um, so yeah. really, mm. answer your question, it's probably, it depends what day it is. You can, well, most of the people, everyone we get on the podcast is obviously musicians or passionate about music. And it's obviously so hard to chew because you, you're right. There's just different. It's like the uh, Arctic. Uh, moods. You know, yeah. yeah. You know, that you go to the North Pole, the, the North Pole is always moving. It's like that. It's yeah. like name favorite albums. Like what? You can't name a favorite album because yeah. it's. It's, it's movable. It's, it's an unfair question, really, but he's going to go on to the, yeah, the second part. Um, are there any albums or just new music more generally that uh, you've been listening to recently uh, that have maybe inspired your own your own work of late? Um, oh, um, because of our old friend Spotify, yeah. I have actually started listening like to Cat Stevens. And I'm like, my God. He's brilliant, and yeah. I, I knew he was brilliant, but I didn't really do very much about buying yeah. his albums because it wasn't... But he's there's so much music out there, but then, you know, like, wow, he's brilliant, and then there's, like, 10 CC albums I've not heard, and, you know, Stevie Wonder, that run of albums he had in the 70s, and I've, I've never got a chance. I've got three of them, I think, but there's a couple, like, like Music of My Mind, which I haven't got. And, uh, yeah, so there's a lot of... So to answer your question, I'm listening to Cat Stevens at the moment and uh, he mm. could be a future influence. Well, that was a lot of fun speaking to Mark there. Thanks to him again for uh, being so supportive of the project from the start. And that was a really fun chat. Loads of little anecdotes and fun stories from uh, someone who's very passionate about music. And also thank you, anyone that's been listening to the podcast, even if you just started listening now, welcome and please do listen back through the other episodes to hear the journey uh, over the last year we finally made it to the end we will be releasing the album uh, year to live by the bear tax that's the uh, the title of the album and the band uh, that will be coming out very soon uh, we're saying sort of summer one wish though the first single is out there now you can listen to some of our finished music it's on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere where you might listen to music. Just search One Wish by The Bear Tax and you should find it. Let us know what you think. Leave your comments on social media at TuneLighting or you can even send it to the band now at The Bear Tax. In fact, we'll be posting more stuff on the band social media from now on, uh, moving away from the TuneLighting page uh, and putting more stuff on there. So do search at The Bear Tax on Instagram, Facebook, and other places if you want to follow what the band is up to and when that album is coming out. So thanks again. We'll be back next time with uh, an episode about the lessons learned in this project and going over kind of a reflective episode, I guess, looking back at uh, the process as we come towards the end of season one and the release of the album. 